You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to a new week here on Blaze Media of the Steve Dace Show. In fact, it's our final week before we head out for the long winter's nap, a little Christmas break. Back at it again. January the 2nd, we will do our very best here for the last five days of the year that we're on the air. Fear God, tell the truth, and make money. We're going to open up the phone lines coming up in the next hour of the show. 888-900-3393 will be the number because we've got a three-day year-end, year-in-review 2018, the year that was extravaganza coming up. To close out this week, we've got a special two-hour edition of the Dace Group Roundtable. We're going to empty the tank on the inbox as much as we can. Aaron and Todd are going to count down the top 10 stories of the year. I'm going to name my 10 favorite pieces of fake news of the year. we got a lot planned for later in this week. We've got one more chance this year to talk to you in the audience. And so we wanted to let you have your say on your year in review, your, I don't know, your person of the year, story of the year. What trend began this year that you are the most looking forward to continuing next year or the least? We're going to find out what you think about that and more coming up next hour at 888-900-3393. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you're listening to the podcast edition of this show later on, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. The courts have spoken, which almost always is unfortunate. We'll talk about that with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz coming up in the next uh, segment of the program. We've got today's truth bomb, but we begin, as we typically do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Totally Clears the President. Thank you. President Trump is referring to the sentencing memo in the Southern District of New York for his former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen. The memo was released on Friday evening, and it reveals that either A, Donald Trump was duped into hiring and continuing to employ a sleazy grifter, or B, he knowingly allowed said sleazy grifter to fix his problems. The memo spelled out numerous facets of crimes committed by Cohen, most notably the accusation of influence peddling shortly after the 2016 election due to his access to President Trump, and campaign finance violations in the form of paying off women due to their relationships with the president. Totally clears the president. Thank you. Except for that little part where the U.S. Attorney's Office says you directed and coordinated with Cohen to commit two felonies. Other than that, totally scot-free. National Review and Fox News contributor Andy McCarthy had this to say. And keep in mind, he's had a fairly contrarian take on almost everything related to the Mueller probe. And then the Southern District of New York case, which is different from the Mueller case on Cohen, uh, they are clearly going after the president on campaign finance uh, violations. And I think if you read the sentencing memo the Southern District filed in Cohen's case, it's clear that Trump is the target and he'll be indicted eventually. In other news involving the president, his chief of staff, John Kelly, is going to be gone by the end of the year. Unrest, riots and mobs continued in the streets of Paris, France over the weekend. 
They're not so happy with French President Emmanuel Macron and high taxes. The social media mob put out the hit on two different people since the last time you and I were together. First, Kevin Hart was scheduled to host the upcoming Oscars. Then somebody found some tweets from his past that were deemed to be offensive. So I've made the choice to step down from hosting this year's Oscars. This is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. I sincerely apologize to the LGBTQ community for my insensitive words from my past. Bow to your sensei. Bow to your sensei! On Saturday night, Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray completed his biggest accomplishment in his life so far, winning the Heisman Trophy. So, of course, Scott Gleason from USA Today combed through his tweets from when he was 14 and 15 and found some that were deemed to be offensive. I apologize for the tweets that have come to light tonight from when I was 14 and 15. I used a poor choice of words that doesn't reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or group. Rise before Zod. No. Kneel before Zod. I'll take a winning Democratic message for $1,000, Alex. They've had a big orchestra for some time, and they've got the megaphones to amplify it. Whether it's Sinclair at a local level, Fox at a national level. I've learned this from the outreach we've done at the DNC. Why are we penetrating, I asked. And I had someone in northwestern Wisconsin tell me, you know what? For most of the people I know, their principal sources of information are Fox News, their NRA newsletter, and the pulpit on Sunday. And it should come as a surprise to no one that our message doesn't penetrate. It should come as a surprise to no one that that person has elevated the issue, of course, to the top because that person on the pulpit is saying, ignore everything else that this person has done and is doing. We have to focus on one issue of Roe versus Wade. Thanks to DNC Chairman Tom Perez, the pulpits are now relevant again. Props to Chris Cuomo? You don't have to show respect for, for that kind of person. Here, let me show you what I would have done. You don't have to. Well, let me show you, I want to show you something. You let me show you what to. I would have done. Okay, come here. Come here, go Dom. Ahead. Come here, Dom. Try oh, to shake poor Don. You're petty and small. Not petty and small. That's real, brother. That's real. And, and, and real it petty shows and you small. this is not, nope, it's not. This is not about ideology. This is about the way someone conducts himself. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Woo. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. Boy, that, do I think we needed that clip at the end with uh, that father of the year nominee 
given what else is in that montage. And you were telling me, Aaron, there's there's plenty on the cutting room floor that is maybe going to make it tomorrow, depending on what meltdowns suffer yeah. we suffer between now and then. If you like that, you're going to love tomorrow. Um, I we're in trouble, man. That uh, I let me say this about Tom Perez because I can just get this out of the way right away. Again, much like I said this about the AP during uh, the Bush funeral, I thank you. Actually, let's just keep it real. I. I, I appreciate that we're being honest with each other now and that the messages uh, that the, the messages that are preached from America's pulpits are anathema and enemy to the Democratic Party. I, I'm I'm glad we're now just admitting this. OK, thank you. But at least they're relevant. So, yeah, well, well I'm, I'm glad we just let's just be honest. I'm glad we're telling the truth now. And, the, and the, those in the media that crapped and urinated all over George W. H. W. Bush's grave um, were far more honest than the people who called him a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigot who didn't have, know how to operate a supermarket scanner when he was alive and president. And now we're pretending to be like, I wish Trump were more like him. Those were the frauds. Those were the liars. AP and others that, did, that, that, that pulled their shenanigans were actually telling the truth. And here, Tom Perez in that clip Finally, finally, we're just being honest, right? Uh, my kids, what's that show? Red and Link. My kids love that show. All right, well, they did. They kind of went out of that phase. But I'm, what was the song they put together? I'm just being honest, honestest, right? Um, that's exactly what that was. So I thank you, Tom, for your honesty. And I can promise you in the new year, I will be returning the favor. Now let's get to some of the other stuff, shall we? Um, and and I, I don't know that I can explain adequately why. And it could just be as simple as you just pushed my last nerve and I'm out. All right. And I, I'm at the point now that I'm, I'm not on any level going to stand in the way of what anybody, including this president, says or does uh, to the media on an institutional level. And, and I don't know why this particular story with Kyler Murray, because they've been doing this for a while. It actually started with Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, they did this to him the, the night that he was most outstanding player in the Final Four. They did it at some Major League Baseball players. Josh Hader, my guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am. This one, maybe, and maybe it's the fact that, all right, Hader was 17, 18, I think, was when he had the argument. He should have known better. Okay. Um, Kyler Murray's 14 years old. 14. And at this point, on an institutional level, until it is willing to begin, uh, to at least begin the process of policing itself, on an institutional level, that doesn't mean, hey, there's always 7,000 men in Israel who haven't taken the knee to bail yet, right? There's always exceptions. But on an institutional level, the press is the enemy of the people. And I'm, and, and I'm not saying that I am, I am, after doing my best to avoid acknowledging it, I have, you have left me no choice now but to confirm that you, as an industry, have been declaring this. You did this. I, I'm, I, I'm not here. I'm not declaring war. I, I just can't ignore the fact you declared it on me any longer. 
This is not even liberalism. This is hammer and sickle will to power, leftist coercion, um, of clenched fist, and we're coming for your children kind of stuff. Yep. This is jack booted thug kind of stuff is what it is. And uh, it has no place whatsoever. I don't even know what Kyler Murray said, and I don't know on purpose because I don't care because he was 14. And neither should anybody else. But what was so bad that somehow it was amazing that it was so bad, it, it, yet it, it, that it, it didn't resurface the day before he won the Heisman or the day before that or the day before that or the day before that or the day before. They only became terrible the night that he won the Heisman Trophy. The biggest night of his life, quality young man from a great family. And I don't know who Scott Gleason is. I just know he's pond scum. And, and you know what? I don't care. I've been a contributor there. Screw every last one of you at USA Today. Every last one, every layer, every every layer of bureaucracy, every editor that signed off on this that it took for this story to get to print, screw all of you. All every last one of you. That's that and those of you that said nothing when it went into print anyway, you're just as guilty. You're just as guilty. I'm, and I'm tired of the, whether it's hospital workers at Alfie Evans or everything else, no one says a damn thing when this stuff goes on and just lets it happen and keeps their mouths shut. Screw all of you two. This is, you, you can't live in a country together like this. This transcends all your, this isn't, this is, to me, this is on a more basic primal instinct than your thoughts on Obamacare. And I'll even say on an issue as contentious as abortion, frankly, which has been the number one driver of my entire career. Because this is just simply, I can't leave the front door of my house in the morning without your approval, without checking all of your boxes. Screw freaking you, every last one of you. And until this industry steps up and says, "Where no editor at USA Today resigned, nobody did. Nobody did. Take all of your high and mighty, and honestly, if I, had, if I could, I'd do it myself. I'd shove it so far down your throats, it'd come out the, you'd crap it out the other end. Every last one of you. And don't call me again to write a column unless it's for, unless you give me a chance to dunk on you for this. My answer is no. No. This is garbage. And everybody else that did it is complete and total garbage as well. Don't cry me a river anymore about Trump or anybody else. Hell, you did more to get him elected than I did anyway. I didn't even vote for him. You guys handed him the nomination. You gamed the system for him. I was the guy with the delegates movement trying to stop him from ever getting this far. So he's your fault too, as far as I'm concerned. So screw all of you. You're just terrible people. And even worse are the people that say nothing when this goes on. We're going to destroy a young man for something he tweeted when he was 14. And in the same breath, go look at the hagiography they published about the dude who's in the Miss Universe pageant. Those are the sides they're taking. While they bury a young black man. Because here, here's why I, I don't think I've, I've been uh, shrinking violent in attacking press bias in my career. Hell, I just walked off a live set on national television over it a few months ago. But, but 
there's a difference between bias and malfeasance. Like you can even vehemently disagree with me on everything and treat me like a human being. This we're beyond this is malfeasance. Now, this this is this is an offensive act of pond scum, is what this was. And I'm just at my last nerve, and I'm just at my last straw. And at this point, I don't care what anybody says to you guys says about you guys anymore. I, I just don't. I don't and then the fact that there's not several of you standing up and saying this isn't how we do business around here just speaks volumes. I'm re- I'm reminded of when Chris Wallace was talking to the president a couple weeks ago. Remember we had that clip and he said, "Well, what, if you attack one of us, you attack all of us. You're in a freaking cult, Chris. Screw you too." All right? That's a that's how a cult thinks. No. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know Kyler Murray, what his politics are. I don't know if he's ever knelt for the national anthem. I don't know how his parents have voted. I don't care. Not in this instance, I don't. This is, this is just basic human decency. And he's done nothing, nothing other than violate some narrow-minded, bigoted definition of political correctness by one particular group of knuckle-dragging pond scum. And he did it when he was 14 years old. Screw every last one of you. Every last one of you. I'm talking, I want, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm going to stop. I'm going to say something I'm going to regret that, that it's going to make me that which I loathe and despise. I, I, I'm just beyond angry at this. And maybe it's just because it's just my last nerve. But I'm at this point now. You have to, I I don't want this to be true. I've sat here for the last few years doing everything I can to try to get people with my value system and belief system to engage. I, I have probably done more interviews with mainstream media, including writing for USA Today, than just about anybody with any semblance of a viable national platform in conservative media has. In the last five years, I, I'm, you know, I just can't ignore this. This is so over the top, inhumane, that you've declared yourselves the enemy of the people. I'm not the one giving you this label. Uh, When you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelped, is the one you hit, all right? You did this to yourselves with acts like this and the fact that there aren't columns all over the place today in sports media and in national media, mainstream media saying, no, we're not doing this. By the way, tough week to be black in America. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. I guess if you're successful in black, you learn this week, where you rank on the intersectionality uh, flowchart, and it's back of the bus, brother. We'll be talking about that with today's truth bomb a little bit later on. All right, I want to get to the Cohen sentencing memo before we run out of time, though. Okay, um, I read through these, both of them. There's two. I think people are getting confused here. All right, two sentencing memos were released, and and I th- and here's what we're going to do on our show. Let me say this from the start. This is going to be the dominant topic when we return to work on January the 2nd. And it's probably going to be the dominant topic throughout 2019. 
And regardless of what everybody's care level is about the alleged offenses, and and I don't believe for a second that what is out there is what is the is the is the extent of what Bob Mueller is going to allege that Trump was involved in. I think the rabbit hole is going to go a lot further down than this. Okay, that's again alleged. I don't know what the truth is. Here's how we're going to handle this on our show when we come back. We're not going to be able to avoid it. And uh, it, it's going to dominate everything. It, it'll, it, it, it will dominate the president's messaging. It's the number one reason why he is struggling to find a chief of staff right now is this story. It's going to dominate the political debate. Um, it, you have a Democratic primary in the, in the, for the presidential election that's going to be happening next year. And so the opportunity to use this to as grist for the mill to, you know, uh, to feed red meat to the base. There, we can't avoid it. We have avoided this story for much of this year because for much of this year, it was frankly conjecture. Um, but we're out of the conjecture phase now. And on Friday, we crossed the River Styx or at the very least came to the embankment of the Rubicon with, that, with those two filings. Now, I would urge you to go read those two filings for yourself. If for no other reason then. Whether you care about what these alleged offenses are, considering the grand scheme of political corruption we're subjected to on a regular basis, it's really irrelevant because it's, it's a political story now and it's going to dominate the landscape of why certain things don't get done and why certain things do and who's doing them. This, we can't avoid it now. Uh, so we're gonna, we're, the way we're going to tackle this is we're going to get out of the conjecture stage of this as much as we can. Sometimes we're going to try to have to connect dots but I think that's a very dangerous place to be. I, I, I saw some very smart people I like on our side who were literally trying to make the spin that Mike Flynn's plea with all that redacted black bars was good news for Trump. I, I don't see how anybody could come, come to that conclusion reasonably. I don't. I mean, I, I don't, you can't because, well, well, I could if you, here's what I, let me put it this way. If you think Bob Mueller's running an impartial investigation where he's just going for the truth, then I, can, I, see, I think you can make that case. How many people on our side believe that? Exactly. So you can't, on one hand, tell me for nine months, Bob Mueller is doing a witch hunt. And then when one of his primary witnesses uh, gets leniency, recommended leniency from Mueller, and no jail time, tell me how you spin the guy with the witch hunt asking for no jail time for one of the primary witnesses against the president. Todd, explain to me how that is spun to be a positive for the president. How can that possibly be a positive development. Why would the guy doing a witch hunt not start providing leniency for exonerating information? Why would he do that? I can't. And 2019 is already not fun. Yeah. The math doesn't add up. All right. So we're, we, we're going to try and call balls and strikes with this as much as we possibly can in the coming year. And, and one of the things we're going to do is we're going to consult several different sources. Number one, we're going to read as many of these filings ourselves as we possibly can. One of the things I think a lot of our audience is confused about is that there's two sets of charges against Michael Cohen. The one legislative charges is brought by the special counsel's office. That's Bob Mueller. The other is in the Southern District of New York. That's the U.S. attorneys. That's the federal government. That's the Department of Justice. And then the U.S. attorney there is a Trump appointee, and it's from Trump's DOJ. And you, I, I would urge you to go read both of those. If you don't have time to read both of them, at the very least, 
It's linked on my Facebook wall. It was on my Twitter feed on Friday. At the very least, you can go through my Twitter threads as I read through them in real time. Now, I have a little more expertise in this area than I've probably let on in the past. Because before I got into the political arena, I worked and clerked at a law firm here in Des Moines that handled some of the most high-profile defense cases. Uh, We handled the case of a state senator and one of the wealthiest families in the state. And his brother um, got his daughter and her underage friends stoned and drunk one night and essentially tried to um, hook up with them. And I worked at the law firm that wrote that defended him in that case. I worked at a law firm with two prominent Republican operatives who the U.S. Attorney's Office, this was in the late 90s, was going after for many of the same things Michael Cohen is guilty of. And yes, he's guilty because he pled guilty. He's guilty of this stuff. All right? He's guilty. That's not, that's, not, that's not a guess. He pled guilty. These pleadings were sentencing pleadings, meaning they were arguing about what sentence to give him for the stuff he pled guilty for. All right. And, and, and so a lot of the things that are in, involved in this case, I've actually been on the defense side of these things and have written and read numerous pleadings in these sorts of cases, including with the Department of Justice. The U.S. attorney came after these two prominent Republican operatives in the late 90s. And essentially a deal was cut so that they, their grand jury indictment was sealed and it, the case never came to light. Um, I'm going to use that past expertise to call balls and strikes as best as I can. But then I'm going to rely on the expertise of a lot of other people. We're going to Andrew McCarthy, who Aaron mentioned in his montage, former U.S. attorney. We're going to look at Alan Dershowitz. And the reason we're going to look at Alan Dershowitz is because he's always going to give you the pro-defense side. I mean, his character was in Carlito's way, guys. Alan Dershowitz has never represented a guilty person ever. That doesn't mean he's not a brilliant attorney. He is. But his, his bias is towards everybody's guilty. We're going to look at Judge, or everybody's innocent, I'm sure say. We're going to look at Judge Napolitano because he kind of looks at what the Andrew McCarthy's and the Alan Dershowitz, his past life was. He listened to those two guys make their cases, and he was the guy that had to kind of render a decision. All right? And we're going to urge you to do the same thing. And the truth here is going to probably be somewhere in the middle. But we're heading down a road we've never really head down before. Um, we're going we're gonna, to, I believe, next year, the case is going to be presented that the president not only in, involved himself in the cover-up of these acts, but committed, went further than Nixon and um, coordinated the crime. I believe that's what ultimately Bob Mueller is setting up and the U.S. Attorney's Office is setting up. And that's what you heard some of what Andrew McCarthy say in that montage. Well, Steve, you can't indict a sitting president. I don't, well, let's, here's the thing. That's a current, I agree constitutionally that you can't. And that's why the founders gave us impeachment as a political process instead. But that's actually, a, that's not a law. That's a Department of Justice guideline, which can be adjudicated in the courts. Raise your hand if you're confident that the courts are going to rule Donald Trump as president cannot be indicted. Sober-minded arbiters of the truth, Yeah, I barely barely got that out of my mouth. All right? Aaron was cracking up before I even started the question because he just knew what I was going to ask. Okay? So I think we can, you know... Let's not pretend. 
Let's give Tom Perez some credit for telling us the truth, what he really thinks of the church. Let's just be honest. The courts are going to rule that you can indict a sitting president because they want to. And it won't matter what arguments are brought. It, the arguments are, this argument's decided, guys, before all the briefings are just a pile of billable hours. We already know what, what, the, what the ruling here is. Eventually, that's what they're going to decide. And so I, I think we're going to go down a road that in this coming year that's going to require, to use Todd's term from a minute ago, uh, sober-mindedness that will be lacking in a lot of other places. Any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Before we get to this bottom of the hour break in the next minute or so? Well, unfortunately, I agree with you that it's going to become unavoidable, uh, this, this story. And uh, I think anybody who was honest knew that at some point it was going to come to a head. Obviously, that seems to be the direction that this was going to be going. I, told, I just told Todd last week how hilarious would it be if Mueller came out at the end of all things and said, huh, we didn't find anything, sorry. Um, well, it's obvious that probably no collusion um, nothing collusion related uh, is going to be uh, found or we don't know that yet. The investigation is, is ongoing, but it seems to be like with all of this other blue dressed territory that we're in right now, that's not where it's going to go. Um, regardless, this is catching up a lot of people very close to Trump. How close could you get other than his personal fixer? And now, uh, according to Andy McCarthy, seems like the attention is going to be going towards his family. This is going to uh, this is going to be dialed up to 11, if anything. It's, it's bad. This is why you are. You talked about the the sins of never Trump as it exists now. This is the kind of reason we were never Trump to begin with. We'll come back. Bobby Interplatz is going to join us here in just a few moments. We're going to talk more about the courts next. All right, back here on Blaze Media Live and On Demand, I am Steve Dace. Uh, one of the big stories of the year actually just broke recently. 500 million identities stolen through a hacking of the Marriott Corporation. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. There's about 338 million total people uh, in the United States. So, uh, of course, millions of those are going to be children who don't really have full-fledged uh, identities yet. They can't enter the contracts, don't have driver's licenses, et cetera. So that's well over 100 million more people, almost 200 million more people total than live in the United States counting children had their identities stolen via the Marriott Corporation worldwide, which means they'd have those credit card numbers, including that three-digit code that we you know, use uh, to try and uh, insulate ourselves from credit card fraud. They've got personal information like address, banking information, you know, the kinds of secondary stuff that say if, if you were calling to check on uh, a, a valuable investment or asset or you were online doing it on a website and there's secondary information they would ask of you to verify you are who you claim you are, they have all of that too. And do you know what one of the most valuable, maybe the most valuable asset most Americans will ever have is? It's their own home. And right now, thieves are going after your home because your home titles are online, like those 500 million identities to the Marriott Corporation were as well. They don't have to go down to a, a bureau of, of, of records or a county recorder's office anymore. They can hack a website, forge a signature, get a hold of your home's title which means they really get a hold of the equity. That's the value. That's 
That's what they're really after. If you've got loved ones who are retirees that maybe aren't the most tech savvy, they're particularly vulnerable because they're probably living in a home that has a lot of equity value in it based on their age, and they just don't know how to keep track of it. If you have a lot of rental properties, maybe it's tough to keep track of all of those titles at once. You could be a target as well. Really, any of us could. Here's what to do about it. Home title lock, just pennies a day. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. If they detect any sinister activity at all, they're on the case. They'll warn you about it. They will confront it as well. And you don't know, you may have already been targeted. You can find out for free. Now, it's normally $100 to get one of their uh, title reports and scans. They're giving it away to our Blaze Media viewers and listeners today for free at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Bob Vanderplatz is back with us, world traveler from the Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Great to be back with you. Glad to be back from my world travels to Washington, D.C. Glad to be home. What's going on in Washington, D.C.? You know, we don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. No, we don't want to know. Um, some news today about the courts. And for those, again, that are new to our show and uh, that have just been joining us since uh, the merger between uh, The Blaze and CRTV, one of your big and probably um, your big claim to fame, other than uh, your influence in the presidential process through the Iowa caucuses, is you helped to spearhead uh, what still is the only time in American history that by popular referendum, a state's voters removed Supreme Court judges not for um, you know moral malfeasance or corruption, but over ideological disagreement with their actual rulings. And it's it's just... Tragic and fascinating to see everything that you warned about when Iowa held that historic retention election in 2010 is coming to fruition. Here, here's, here's a couple of headlines just today. All right. Uh, UK courts have ruled that the government can just unilaterally disregard the Brexit vote and do whatever it wants. Of course they can. I, I did, didn't I predict that there would never be a Brexit? Yeah. It would never mm-hmm. happen. Here's how, here's how progressivism works. We lie to you to win the election, and then if we lose the election, we just cheat afterwards. That, that's how it works. All right, so there was never going to be a Brexit. And, there, and so you have the courts over there unilaterally ruling that they don't have to follow through on that vote. You have Brett Kavanaugh today, who we all just you know put our spleens on the line for a few months ago, citing along with John Roberts, but we're used to him screwing us. Uh, but Brett Kavanaugh, one of the first major decisions— He's faced Supreme Court justice siding today with the liberal wing of the court not to hear, give standing cert uh, to um, states that are looking to absolve themselves fully, including Medicaid funding, uh, to Planned Parenthood, to the baby killers. He sided with the baby killers today by uh, uh, agreeing not to even hear the case whatsoever. And, I'm, and I just said to our audience right now, and I've even put this on my Facebook wall, Prepare yourself now. Don't don't be shocked by it later. Don't listen to the shills. And then, oh, I didn't see it coming. Let's be adults. The courts are soon going to rule that you can indict a sitting president. Let's just admit that's going to happen and not act like we're shocked by it later on when it does like 10 minutes from now. All right? So these are all things that, you know, you tried to warn people, hey, regardless of whether you agree with organizations like the family leader on the marriage issue or not, this is a larger principle here. If you set the precedent that these courts are unelected constitutional conventions, then they will just go further and further down the rabbit hole. And that's what we're seeing right now. You know, Steve, it reminds me, because when we did this in 2010, we said the issue is definitely marriage. 
but it's much bigger than marriage. It's a constitutional issue. How much authority do you want to grant over to these courts? And what you're seeing today is that when Kavanaugh joins Roberts, says, you know, we're not going to listen to this case. Clarence Thomas taking these guys to task about, you know, not having the boldness or the courage to take on this case and to rule the way it should be ruled. We, we have been taught, our society has been taught, whether you've been in education or not, you've been taught the courts are the final arbitrator. The courts make the final decision. If that's really the case, then strike out those first three words of every constitution called we the people, because you're just handing over your freedom, you're handing over the, the, the authority to an unelected, unaccountable court system. Now, in Iowa, at least we had the retention vote. We could vote those three out, and Iowans did, and thankfully they did. However, in the United States Supreme Court, a guy that we just went all in for with Kavanaugh, and just a little asterisk there, the reason we went all in for Kavanaugh was the process. Like, this was not the right process to be going through with Kavanaugh, but saying, you guys have lifetime appointments. This is a big, big deal when you have an unaccountable court because every one of your freedom now becomes up for grabs. And you're seeing that, whether it's the Brexit and the UK ruling, or you're seeing that where it's the federal ruling when it comes to hearing a Planned Parenthood case. Yes. I mean, I, I, it's the number one f- driving force for how I voted uh, a month ago was what they tried to do to Brett Kavanaugh. Sure. And and I say this as someone who said three minutes after he was appointed, just looked at his record, the fact that he wrote the roadmap for John Roberts' saving of Obamacare originally when he refashioned. Oh, Roberts didn't come up with the idea originally that the Obamacare mandate was a tax. He did not come up with that idea. Brett Kavanaugh did. Kavanaugh did. Yeah. Uh, and, and since Brett, Brett Kavanaugh oversaw the D.C. Circuit, Roberts just followed that roadmap. All right, that Kavanaugh is the reason that the Obama administration had to face questions in the hearing about whether the mandate was a tax because of what how Kavanaugh had 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 fashioned it in his ruling in the, at the circuit court or the court of appeals level, and that's why they had to answer that question to begin with. And the Obama administration was adamant because they wanted they they were worried about losing reelection later in the mm-hmm. year. They didn't want to be on the record for the worst, the biggest tax increase of all time. So they were adamant it's a mandate, not a tax. It's a regulation. It's an administrative rule, meaning it's not a tax. All right. And so Roberts followed his 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 boy Kavanaugh's lead in refashioning it as a tax. I told you the day he was he was nominated, this is Carl Rove in a black robe. I said that day one. I, he was never a vote against Roe. Um, we don't really know. You know, the president promised us voters that are court, judges at the court level, or Supreme Court, that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, I, I, I don't, we, don't, we don't know where Neil, where Neil Gorsuch stands because amazingly, you know, people mock me when I said I'd get a tat of any name on that original heritage list they handed guys like you mm-hmm. that got confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court when Trump was president. Well, we've had two Supreme Court openings. Guess how many of those guys were nominated were on that list that you were given? How many? Do you know? Uh, yeah. Zero. Neither Gorsuch nor Kavanaugh were on the list you were given. Neither one were. So when, in, with Gorsuch, they seemingly found the one federal judge in America with no precedent on abortion. I, I didn't even know that was possible. Like on any level at all. He has, there's nothing in his record at all on the abortion issue. Now, he's been a good judge since he got there on the stuff that's come up. And he voted the right way today, at least to hear the case. That's really because the, the stuff about protesting outside of Planned Parenthood 
his ruling was on free speech grounds uh, when he when he when he ruled the right way on that. So today's really the first time at all Gorsuch has anything on his record involving the sanctity of life, and it was voting to give cert to states that want to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to hear the case. Yes. is what he said. Yes, yeah, to. yeah. Kavanaugh. I, there was, there was. I don't know why anybody in their right minds believed Brett Kavanaugh, given his record and the way he answered any of these questions at all. But, but the bigger, was, it, was that vote against Roe? Why did anybody yeah. believe this? But I think the bigger issue here, Steve, and I think it's a, a simple issue as well, is that conservatives went all in to elect Donald Trump to be president of the United States. One is because his name was not Hillary Clinton. They, they did not want to see Hillary Clinton become president. But two was because we knew we had a Supreme Court uh, opening. And even though we thought maybe it's a roll of the dice with Trump, we'd rather give that shot to Trump than say to Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. The bigger issue at stake though is why are these Supreme Court justices now household names? Why, why are we giving all this authority to the court? That's why the courts, so it's not necessarily we, the people, the legislatures make the law. Don't we think states should have the right to say, you know what, we're no longer funding Planned Parenthood with our own money or with federal taxpayers' dollars, why does a court have to hear that? Because we have – here's the thing. The courts were originally a weapon of mass destruction for the left and still remain. They are, the, they are their primary weapon of mass destruction. It's, it's how they've gotten most of the stuff done – uh, and imposed on us, they couldn't have done through the legislative process. Stuff we never would have approved as yeah, we the people. Never, never in a million years. But they, but the courts have now become an idol to the right. So they're a weapon of mass destruction to the left. They're an idol to the right, because most of our people, our new motto for 2019. You know, I always like a theme for the year. You know, <laughs> worldview is our theme this year. Next year, our theme is no BS. We're not pulling a punch all year. On anything. So we're just going to keep it real, okay? So let's just keep it real right now between you and me. It's the last time we're going to talk on this show before 2019. The, the, the number one excuse, rationalization, most of our people use to continue to vote for Republicans that in the last two years gave them nothing other than a temporary tax cut is what? The courts. J judges. It's always the judges. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that, that's the number one rationalization we have. It's a little bit like I stay with him. You know, my mom and I had the rationalization. Why do we stay with Dave? Because he's a good provider. And we did. He was a good provider in between beatings and other things and a, and all, and a long train of abuses. He provided, he was a hard worker and provided for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and so this is the, this is the last fig leaf. And most of us are not capable of doing what we did on our show last fall, which is I think these Republicans suck by and large, 95% of them. But I'm only going to go in there and vote for them, not because of anything that they've earned, because I will not set the precedent that you can assassinate a man's character with evidence this flimsy and just destroy him. That cannot be allowed to stand in a free society. That's why I voted the way that I did. But you know this. And you, that's why you had Kavanaugh's back. Yes. As well. But I never, was I never lied was, to our audience that he right. was good. I'm not shocked by what he did today at all. No. It, it was but process more let, than policy. Yes. But let's be honest. Most of our people, guys like you and I, and our careers have been charged with mobilizing to vote. Sure. Won't be, aren't moved like that. They need to be sold the fairy tale. They need Tony Perkins to say today, Trump saved the Republic. That's his article. That's his column that's out today. That's what they need to hear. They cannot, they will not respond to 
these guys are corruptocrats, but they're not open fiends, and we can't let the open fiends win. Most of our people won't pour out. They they need the heroic tale. They can't be told Samson's got a you know uh, you know a rewards card at the Canaanite brothel. They can only hear the part of the story where he swings the jawbone of an ass. You know, let's just be honest. They can't take the truth. They won't respond to the truth. So we have to sell them on a fairy tale. And the fairy tale that we sell them on is we're going to get all these hero- heroic judicial appointments, right? That's the fairy tale. Well, it, it is it is the fairy tale. But the other part of it is, I think, it gets back to the point of what are we expecting out of our members of Congress? Whether it be the U.S. House or it be the U.S. Senate? Heck, if it's your state legislature or governor. Apparently, all we expect is just to have an R after your name. Who is going to hold the courts accountable? Who's going to say this is not happening under our watch? We happen to be the ones who makes the law. We get to control the purse. We, we, we get to control the execution, the execution, which is the sword of government. The courts don't have any of that. But yet we're giving them everything of that. And so to me, the bigger issue is are we asking our elected officials, governor, president, U.S. House, U.S. Senate, your legislature, are they willing to do their job to hold an out-of-control court in check? Well, here's, That's our the, only here's the problem the president has boxed himself into. By acquiescing and grabbing his ankles for the courts at every turn in the first two years, when they eventually rule a sitting president can be indicted, and it won't matter what evidence is presented the other way. It won't matter what press. They don't care. They're, because they're in charge. They're just going to do whatever they want. There's no argument you can make. I mean, go back and read the, 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 the argument that guys like Ted Cruz and others fashion in D.C. versus Heller. On this, it's like a David Barton manifesto, uh, on, you know, from his vault on the Second Amendment. Four justices, like, we don't care. We just don't want you to have. To, we don't want you to be able to fight back, and we just want to take your guns away. We don't, there, there's no rationale. There's not a debate. They don't care. Sonia Sotomayor sits up there and asks all the right questions, all on, the religious right questions. Li- on religious liberty, and then just turns around and says, "All right, I, it, it's almost like she she needed to be told, yes, we are going to do this to the Christians. I, I want to make sure we are doing to the Christians what I want. Okay, cool. I, I do want to make Christianity criminal. So now that you told me that, I'm going to vote my way. They don't care. It, it, it doesn't matter what Andrew McCarthy writes in National Review. It doesn't matter how many times David French screams, stay in your lane, courts. They're not in there. There are no lanes. They determine their own jurisdiction. They're going to do whatever the hell they want. And so when Trump finally decides for the first time now that his self-interest is what's up against the wall, when he finally decides for the first time, you know what, we're going to defy the courts here. What do you think is going to happen then? Since he set the precedent, we give the courts everything else. Now he wants to fight back with his self-interest. That'll just blow up right in his face, right? Well, you think it would. What's interesting about that is because it is in his self-interest, it would be interesting to see if if he has the backing or the staying power of Congress even to say, and we've got your back in doing this thing. Because we don't believe the court should have these rulings either. The fact is nobody has been willing to stand up to the courts. The Congress has not been willing to do their job. In Iowa, sure, we voted out three justices, but we should have changed the system of how justices get appointed to the court. We didn't do that. Now we're dealing with that right here in our own home state yet. So it's a thing. You still need to be able to hold these justices in check. A rogue court is tyranny. It's oligarchy. We argued that in 2010 when we ousted three justices. We're dealing with the same issue today. People watching right now, we got a couple minutes left here, are like, well, what could a Congress do? I think, I think people don't understand. Again, this is the civic education we haven't been taught. Pretty much anything. I mean, the, 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 the legislative branch, the, the judicial branch is almost totally subservient 
to the legislative branch. Uh, it, it's, it's confirmations are appointed or are confirmed through them. All of its funding, as you just mentioned, comes uh, through that branch. Um, you also can just simply just deny, strip them of their jurisdiction. You can just, you can, you can, there is literally, there was nothing stopping the Republicans the last two years when they had total control of Congress. They could have simply passed a, a statute that said uh, that under U.S. code, a life, is, a person is defined at the moment of conception without exceptions, and there will be no judicial review of this legislation. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling people that, no, I can't be, yeah, yeah, actually, they could. And the one who taught us about no, ju- no judicial review was? Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, because seven times in the Obamacare bill, when you go read the original one, because I'm one of the nerds that tried to read it, you know, because I like try to read the Quran and stuff too. Seven times I counted in the original Obamacare legislation no. that they passed on December 22nd, 2009, three minutes before Christmas. It says there will be no judicial review of this particular statute. Yeah. It says seven times. You see in there, thing, when we argued this on, on the marriage issue here in Iowa, we said, you know, the governor should have said, you know, uh, that's a great opinion. We are not executing that. We'll throw it back to the legislature. They can codify it if that's what they want to do. But we're, we're, we're going to stand behind our marriage law. Let's see what Trump does when his own self-interest is at stake. Because he could say, that's a great opinion. We're not doing that. I'm going to throw it back to, to the Congress, the people that were elected by we the people, and we'll go from there. Good to see you, my friend. Have a Merry Christmas, all right? We'll do. God bless you guys. We'll see you in a few weeks. We're going to open up the phone lines coming up here in hour two at 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. You get to jump on us your year in review before we get to hours later in the week. And our truth bomb is coming up next as well, right here on Blaze Media. All right, back with Hour 2 here, live and on demand on Blaze Media. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We are going to open up the phone lines. I just realized I set my phone over there where Aaron, like, texts me who's <laughs> on. Where'd you put That's it? our sophisticated call screener operation <laughs> here at the Steve Dace Show is Aaron texts me. Who to go to Christian, next? Christian does all the hard work. I just texted yeah, to you. Yeah, they, so. we do have one of those sophisticated mechanisms. It's just down in Arlington, Texas. It's not here in Des Moines. So we we have like uh, some string and a can, and then they, they shout through, "Hey, uh, go to, uh, to to Joe in uh, Schenectady," and then Aaron texts that to me. So we'll have to figure something else out here because I can't like just get up in the middle of it. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. That that was a hint. Todd, could you get up in the middle of it and yeah, grab that for me? Yeah, pretty. They, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. Eight at eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. So we've got it's right over there, actually, on that table right there. Thanks. This is you're watching. This is how this is how the magic takes place, ladies and gentlemen, right here. All right. So, um, thank you. Now we can take calls because now I know who to go to. So we've got coming up later this week. We're gonna, it's our final week uh, of uh, original programming here on the Steve Day Show before we head out for the Christmas and uh, New Year's holidays. We'll return on January the 2nd after Friday. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the program, some programming notes here. Uh, we've got a three-day end-of-the-year extravaganza. Uh, for all, uh, We think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's our two-hour year-end days group. We give out the best, worst, and even worse than that of the year that was. That's always a lot of fun. It's one of our more fun shows we do every year. Uh, Then we've got uh, Todd and Aaron have ranked the top 10 stories of the year 
I have not seen this list. I'll be reacting to it in real time uh, on the show later this week. I've got my list of my top 10 uh, best favorite examples of fake news of the year. We'll be getting into that. We'll go back every year. I do. I start off the new year by doing predictions, crystal ball predictions of what I think is going to happen in the next 12 months. So last year, and I've been doing this for years. I originally did it when I was with Salem and town hall. I did it for like five or six years over there. Uh, I think I've been going on doing this eight or nine, 10 years now. Last year was the best year I've ever had for my crystal ball prediction. So we'll take a look back at what I wrote uh, in the pages of conservative review last December, I thought was going to happen in 2018. And we'll take a look back and see how many of those things did and didn't happen. And then our last show of the year, we have a huge backlog of emails. We're going to empty the tank in the inbox because there's it's a Q&A, questions on. Uh, we've got questions on parenting, theology, politics, sports, just about every subject imaginable we will be getting to uh, in our last show. What, what's that look for? We'll get to like two of them. You and I both know that in two hours. I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm putting the over under on seven. Okay. I think we I think we'll get to at least seven in two hours. This 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 trend is like my Bill Snyder, your Bill Snyder trend for me. Always bet the under on the on the uh, or just that's that's my version of that. Well, I, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to move you guys along faster. Yeah, I'm going to make sure you're not, I'm going to make sure you're not as long winded in your replies to the audience. And we're gonna we're gonna keep it snappy. We're gonna keep it going here. My New Year's resolution is much less bloviating on the show. Yes, give <laughs> give you more time. So Friday we're going to empty as many emails out of the inbox of 2018 as we can, and then we're Control-Alt-Delete, starting all over, starting anew in 2019. So we have a lot of year-end stuff planned for the rest of, for later in this week. What we want to do this hour is get your year in review. 888-933-93. What do you think was the biggest story of the year? Uh, some of the topics that we're going to be going over later in the week. What do you think was the most underreported story of the year? The story you're just sick of. What do you, the person you're, st- you're sick of, right? Um, we want to get your year in review today here on Blaze Media at 888-900-3393. You can also email us. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show if you're listening to us later today on the podcast. And if you are, by the way, could you leave us a five-star review? We would appreciate that. If you are listening today on the podcast on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, what else? Spotify. Uh, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Before we get to your calls, it is time for a completely contrived attempt for me to have an excuse to urge you to buy my new book, Pre-Orders, happening right now at Amazon.com. There you see the endorsement uh, from Ben Shapiro. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, releasing on January the 15th at fine bookstores everywhere. How many bookstores are even left now? Uh, approximately three, and they're all in uh, Greenwich Village, New York. <laughs> so, you know, there too. just go to Amazon.com. Uh, you can just buy it there. That's the number one uh, sales uh, demo, or algorithm that's being charted by publishers nowadays anyway. Amazon.com pre-orders available right now. It'll be there shortly after Christmas. Truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. And it's time to drop a truth bomb right now. If you're black and you're still aligned with the left in America, look at what they did to Kyler Murray and Kevin Hart the last few days. 
and ask yourself why. Pretty obvious where you rank on the intersectionality flowchart, my friend. And it is the back of the bus. Period. Now, I'm not telling you to sign up for Team GOP. No. I'm not on Team GOP. Okay? I'm just telling you the team you're on sucks too and isn't serving your interests either. It's time for some free agency. Yes, you think? I think it I think it is time for some folks, you know, th- th- these consultants and the system is their obsession with independent voters. Maybe we just need to swell the ranks of what those independent voters are because whether you're a white evangelical that has essentially contorted what's left of your integrity into a pretzel to remain on the on the GOP, uh, uh, you know, you're 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 the mouse in on the wheel chasing after the piece of cheese. If you're a white evangelical with the Republican Party, or if you're black with the, with the left, man, you are. I mean, you're you're at the back of the bus, and the guys rolling the rainbow flag. You will you will kneel before Zod. You will bow down, and. Uh, you can just look at what happened to Kevin Hart. Though he used to be on America's Got Talent, used to be married to Mariah Carey. Who am Cannon. I thinking of? Yeah, what's that? Cannon. Nick Cannon. Nick yeah. Cannon. Yes. What he did the last few days. Yeah. Yes. Going and finding what white female. <laughs> going and finding all of these homophobic slurs. Yep. White female comedians like yep. Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman, Silverman have been tweeting out for years and just tweeting them out. God bless you. You know what, man? Solidarity. I'm your Lequilessa, man. I'm in total solidarity with this. There is, this is, this isn't, to me, this is, this isn't a political debate. And it's really not even a cultural one. This is, this is existential at the core. This is, can I walk out of my house and have any autonomy at all? Or are you in complete and total control of me? That's what this is. I would love to, if, 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 if you are black and more liberal politically than me, I long for the day you and I can debate those issues because right now, none of them are relevant. None of them are. Whatever, d- debating with how many people ought to be on food stamps or whatever the wealth, first of all, we're not cutting any government anyway. So I don't, even, I don't even know why conservatives like me, I don't even know why white conservatives like me keep debating with folks like you about the size and scope of government anyway. Why are we even doing that? That's like, that's like debating Donald Trump and Bill Clinton's marriage fidelity. Asked and answered, Your Honor, we're out of here. I mean, we're not cutting any government anyway. We don't shrink any government when Republicans win anyway. So I don't know why we're arguing with folks like this when we could cut over, over the size and scope of government and how many people should get a welfare check or what government should do to revitalize or provide jobs for urban areas. We're not cutting any government anyway. Do, where are we cutting government? Do you know? Um, never. So I don't, so if we're not, I'm fine arguing with folks that disagree with me on these issues. If there was actually an argument happening, but since there's not an argument taking place, all we're doing is dividing each other while the people in charge put a jack booted, a jack boot to our throats. And that's what they're doing right now. And so I don't, at this point, there's no point even arguing about Obamacare. It's not going away anyway. You may love it. I think it's a scam. You may think it's great. I, I, who cares? It, we're living with it anyway. So what does it matter? We just did. We just did eight years of elections, which were supposedly referendums on keeping it anyway. <laughs> a thou, you know what? I'd be ticked. Those one thousand Democrats that lost their jobs over Obamacare the last eight years, they should be royally pissed right now. They lost those elections for nothing. They just lost those elections so the Republicans could keep their health care policy. That they that they they lost under the promise of repealing. So 
while, you know, while the Nick Cannons of the world and me are arguing about issues that the system isn't going to take my, one of our sides on anyway, we're going to get the same result no matter who wins. You know what? Whatever, whatever, if Nick Cannon wants my help in what he's doing, I am all freaking in. I'll spend as much time on my Christmas break assisting this process as I possibly can. Because this is now where I not, I'm not my own person. I, I cannot, I'm not free when I walk out of my room. Because if what I wrote at 14 years old doesn't give you the warm fuzzy, doesn't, doesn't assent to all of your coercive will to power, then I'm a second-class citizen. No. Damn right. No. 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 And that's another reason why I'm glad we, 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 we changed our branding with this merger to pro-America and pro-free speech. Because the reality is most of the things we as conservatives hold dear aren't being debated and discussed anyway. No matter who wins elections, no matter who wins, deficits get bigger. You got a temporary tax cut to essentially cover the cost of living increases for Trump's tariff taxes. That's really what we got for two years. That's all we got. And they went, they went maybe one for two at best on Supreme Court justices. Maybe. I like what I see out of Gorsuch so far. Kavanaugh is who we thought he was. Carl Rove in a black robe. See that already today. And so ask, so I got I need to ask myself, why, why should I drive a wedge between someone like Nick Cannon or I'll even get more like my mom on her view that she wants single payer health care? Why should I drive a wedge between my mom and I over that when we're going to have it anyway? Regardless of whether I drive this wedge with her anyway, and 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 why should I why should I convince her to that the better way is to is to vote for the stuff the Republicans run on, which they never do, when I know she agrees with me about stuff like what's happening to Kyler Murray right now. What 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 what's going to leave the what has the better chance of leaving a return on investment for our children? Continuing to divide with Americans over Republican policy ideas that they never follow through on when we vote them into office anyway, or this stuff on an existential level where I think there would be widespread support regardless of how people voted in the last election. It's the latter. Yeah, I'm with you. Progressivism is fundamentally iconoclastic. We've been saying that for a long time, uh, and we're learning more and more how honest they are about breaking things, the lives they are willing to break. They need the ashes, and they're going to get them come hell or high water. What Steve is talking about, we need to make sure that we are poised and ready to build something out of those ashes that is far better than that what they want. Yeah, this is analogous. Do you guys ever read your kids? Uh, you give give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. Give your moose. Give a moose a muffin. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a you know pretty simple uh, children's story. But this is this is uh, analogous to that because you give a mouse a cookie. Eventually, that mouse will rule your life <laughs> and basically rule over you. You take down a tweet because of what the left. And this is this is something I'm saying. Something that we all already know. It's just it's it's. Um, Chilling. It would be hilarious if it weren't so chilling. You take down a tweet. Next thing you know, uh, they're at the door. I mean, ask our Canadian friends and neighbors about some of the uh, uh, drac, uh, you know, draconian laws that they have to put up with in regards to what they teach their children about 
uh, gender ideology and things like that. You give a mouse a cookie, eventually that mouse is going to rule your life and keep asking more and more and more of you. This is the same type of thing, which is why Steve said at the outset that this is not a free speech issue at all. No, this is an existential issue because, again, this is the slippery slope that every single English teacher, including my own in a private Christian college, said there's no such thing as, or, you know, slippery slope lo- uh, argument is fallacious. This is another one of those uh, issues as well. You talk about the teachers who, the teacher who um, was reprimanded by his school district for refusing to watch a female student shower. There's another story. What was it, Todd? I think you retweeted it about a teacher getting fired because yes. um, this teacher um, wouldn't wouldn't use the preferred pro. Well, yeah, would not use any pronouns whatsoever. Would still call the student by their chosen name. I can't even remember if it was a crossdresser, male or female. Uh, these things are on your doorstep, and this ties into the. Con- I don't mean to be long-winded. This ties into the conversation we had last week about John MacArthur and his views on the American Revolution as well, and how John MacArthur is not our enemy at all. No, he's an ally, except that on this one piece of theology or applied theology, we have to have our exegesis right about this, and we have to be able to articulate that well um, because these issues are on our doorstep, and it um, it is much more profitable to fight on these existential fronts where we're probably going to have a lot more people who are willing to side with us and put aside things where they disagree with us in order to actually, you know, save possibly our lives and our, at least our freedoms. This is something I've thought a lot about over the weekend, and I'm probably going to think about it a lot heading into the new year. How much of my time working in conservative media do I spend arguing and advocating for things I really believe in but have no chance of ever happening in the current political paradigm and thus I'm I'm just essentially I'm I'm just creating enemies but for but with but for no reason like there's not a conflict there's not a there's not a it, it's I'm not there's no chance to victory because no battle is happening. Like, you know, why do I argue and debate so many things that regardless of who wins elections are never taking place? And just creating more enmity with people who on matters of fundamental importance. That, literally, that, that absolutely determine whether you're free to ever even have those other debates we would one day like to have. You could probably come up with a lot of people that would agree with you on those things that also feel as if they don't necessarily have a platform to unite with some other people and say enough is enough is enough. You know, there's an old saying, to find out who rules over you Learn whom you're not allowed to offend. And what you're finding out is that you, the, the, the cultural Marxists' number one priority is defending the sexual revolution. Period. End of sentence. We learned last week they'll do it. To, they'll do it 
even if it means women getting beat up by guys in the MMA rinks, even if it means men taking uh, positions that should have gone to women at the Miss Universe pageant. They will do it then. Breaking all of them stained glass windows. Yep, they, all of them. Yep, they will do it. They did so last week it was last week it was women. Last week it was women who learned we are way we're we're towards the back of the intersectionality bus here. This week you learn if you're black. You so if you're a woman and you're black, you know, it's like what I talked about with the media earlier today with Kyler Murray. I, I didn't come to the conclusion they're the enemy of the people. I finally had to stop ignoring that they were telling me, shouting in my face, I'm your enemy. I I couldn't ignore it anymore. I I couldn't, you know? And as a Christian, I feel this obligation to to go to that mercy triumphs over judgment. And earlier in my career, I I was too quick to, to pronounce people forfeit. And so now I feel as I've gotten older, I need to compensate for that by making, before we go there, it needs to be abundantly clear this is an irredeemable thing. Because my worldview places a high value on redeeming things that for a long time to human eyes look unre- irredeemable. But, but my worldview also says there does come a point where that thing you're called to redeem, Pharaoh hardens his heart and is so irredeemable, you kick the dust off your sandals and you move on. And that's where I'm at with the media. I, I, we're beyond bias. We've gone all the way to the, to the full-fledged extent of malfeasance now. And I, 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 and I'm, and, and I, I can't avoid it. Open war is on me. You have declared this. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't put my head in my sand and pretend it's not happening now. Well, if you're a woman and if you're black, I think you need to start paying attention if you if you identify with the left, make sure you are in the uh, you're in the appropriate group and tribe, because your femininity and your blackness ain't going to be enough. Make sure you're willing to go all the way, like the Nick Cannons and Kevin Hart's are learning today. Make sure, make sure you are willing to kneel before Zod, because what you're finding out is they're lying to you. When push comes to shove. And the choice is Neil or your femininity and blackness. It's Neil. It was femininity last week. It's blackness this week. There, you will be, you will, maybe they, maybe they lie to you a little more than they do me as a cis white male. Maybe they let you get it. Maybe they let you get away with thinking longer that you'll be exempted. But what you've learned the last couple of weeks that if it means letting a guy bloody your nose in, a, in, in the octagon, and if it means letting a guy uh, win the Miss Universe over you, then, yeah, sucks to be you. And what you're learning right now is the same thing when it comes to being black. If you're not willing to go all the way, then you're in the same boat as me. Kyler Murray right now. They're still doing it this morning. They're running follow-up stories. Those tweets, they're still on his page. He hasn't removed or deleted them yet. This is an inquisition. It's a secular jihad is what it is. And 
your lack of cis white maleness isn't going to save you. It just means after they're done with us, they're coming for you next. All will marvel. Disproportionately, attendance, church attendance is higher in the black community than is the white community. So let me use some language where we have a common bond that I know you've heard on a Sunday and you will understand. All will marvel at the beast. All will gaze upon it. All will take the mark. That's exactly what's happening right now. There will be no conscientious objection. There will be no, well, I'm black and I voted Democrat, so, uh, I, you know, and I thought Obama was cool. No, there will be none of that. Some of it exists right now until you come into conflict with the devolving, with the de-civilization agenda. And then once you come into contact with it, once you come into conflict with it, you lose. Go back a few years ago when the Supreme Court uh, opened up the marriage question. I, I wrote this column for USA Today, actually, at the time. The same week the, that the U.S. Supreme Court opened up the question of what's the definition of marriage, it got rid of the Voting Rights Act of 1964. And I made this point in that column several years ago. There's a juxtaposition right there. You're learning. Now, we didn't know what the word intersectionality meant a few years ago. It was in its nuance. It was, it was, it was brand new. But even a few years ago, I wrote this column for USA Today pointing out that you're seeing the rainbow flag is the number one cause of the American left. And there will be no dissenters and all will be made to care. And in the same week, it got rid of the ultimate, the ultimate sacred cow of the civil rights movement, the Voting Rights Act of 1964. The same week it kicked that to the curb is the same week it opened up the floodgates to Sodom and Gomorrah. So I would say to those of you that are black, listening, watching right now, you need to, you need to, I would urge you to make, to, to come to the same realization I had to come to. That whether I want this to be true, that the media is the enemy of the people or not, they have, they have declared me their enemy. So I have no choice now but to acknowledge it. And ironically, the final straw for me was watching what was done to a young black man over the weekend in Kyler Murray. That was my last nerve. Pay close attention. They're lying to you. Watch what they do with Kevin Hart. Watch what they did with Kyler Murray. That's where this is ultimately going. So someday Donald Trump will be gone. Might even be, we might be closer to that someday than we thought. We don't know. Might be four years from now, six years from now, might be six months from now. But someday Donald Trump will be gone and they'll be, and the, the excuse for their, for, of, of his incendiary language will be gone with it. And when they still keep treating you like they treated Kyler Murray and Kevin Hart this week, it might be too late for you to acknowledge the truth then. They're doing you no favors. They're taking advantage of you. You give them 90% of your vote every election day, get virtually nothing in return. And then in two years, the Oscars goes from hashtag Oscars so white to 
we finally have a, a talented black man that is one of the most popular celebrities in America. Cross wide cross cultural appeal. And we're going to put him in charge of the Oscars. And then we're going to tell him he, he has to go because he dared to tweet that he actually wanted his son to be a boy. Kyler Murray has to be publicly flogged and lynched because I finally found out what it was that he said five minutes ago because I just saw they have a follow-up story. It's the use of the, of the word queer. Isn't there a queer studies department in like every major university in America? There Are was a serious? show called Queer Eye. Yes. Yeah, I believe that's what I saw was the use of the word queer. See, I didn't, I didn't look at the tweet for the same reason. You, you didn't. If it's the use of the word queer, that's like, isn't that an identity? That is one of the 7,600 genders, I think, that Facebook allows you uh, to Pronouns do. are wrong now. Of course queer is wrong. Of course. This isn't, th- we're beyond conservative and liberal here. This is, you will either submit and surrender to my limited, narrow definition of right and wrong I impose on you by fiat, by coercion, that I then won't impose on myself, of course. Or you're a second-class citizen. And as you can see right now, it doesn't matter what's dangling or not between your legs, what pigment you have or don't. You will kneel or you will be made to care. And they will do it usually. Think they just found out about these tweets from Kevin Hart when he was named spokesperson of the Oscars? He's had how many successful movies? One of the mo- he was starred in one of the most successful movies of last year, the Jumanji remake. They've known. Think they just found out about what Kyler Murray was tweeting at fourteen the night he won the Heisman Trophy? No. Now they'll they'll take you down at your absolute highest point to make an example out of you. You will comply, you will do what we say, or you will be made to care. There will be no neutrality, exemptions, no libertarian, I'm a libertarian, no, 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 no. You will comply, or you will be made to care. And the same media that I had to acknowledge earlier in the show as declaring war on me and my beliefs on an institutional level is largely driving, is, is, is really the secret police, the security force. They really are the palace guard. They're hitmen. Of the elites that are doing these things to the Kyler Murrays and Kevin Hart's of the world right now. And, and, and my fear is that if we don't unite to stop this right now, we're going to be pushed to a place of no return. I, I don't want to see happen in America, like what's happening right now in France, for example. Come back. Open up the phone lines. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. When we come back, your turn. Stay tuned. Hey, I gave out some uh, fake news 
a while ago, I just realized when I talked about um, the courts are going to rule a sitting president can be indicted. I, I gave out some fake news, man. I'm, that's my bad. The courts are going to rule this sitting president can be indicted. Okay. And then later they're going to they're going to rule a president that they like cannot be indicted. And then later, when a president who's not one of theirs is in office, um, they're go- yes, yeah, this is banana republic, and we've allowed the courts to do this. By the way, this isn't this is as an absolve Trump of anything that's alleged nope. in any of those pleadings, and I would urge you to read them for yourself because you're left with one of two very disturbing conclusions. Neither one of them is comforting. That either a Trump was duped by a grifter and craven opportunist con man that he allowed into his inner circle to essentially have. A huge influence over his own private affairs or B, he knew that. And that's exactly why he hired him <laughs> talking about the Cohen sentencing. There's really no other choices there. And since these are the things he's guilty of by his own admission, then, you know, this is, but, but again, there's a, just like there was with Kavanaugh. We, yeah, we, we assume if you're watching and listening to us on a regular basis, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. So we were vehemently defending Kavanaugh against these charges, not because we thought he was a good judge because he's not. And he won't be. And already today, you're learning that because there was a higher principle at stake. Right. So Trump could very well be guilty of everything that he is being accused of. It doesn't change the fact that the courts are create have created a banana republic. And that's why one of the main themes of my new book, Truth Bombs, is that Trump is neither the the solution nor the cause of our problems. His emergence, his 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 arising is symptomatic of it people turned to a strong man when they saw the courts just undoing election results and disenfranchising them and they turned to a strong man and that's really why the system hates trump is because they hate you Uh, that's that's really why so i needed to come clean about some fake news there particularly because i want to talk about some real news right now and that is i'm i found a way to finally get noah because he's my son, he has like an allergic reaction to eating his vegetables. I, I finally found a way to get him to eat his vegetables, and it's by drinking them. With pumpkin spice? No. Well, I don't know. I don't know if, if Brickhouse Nutrition next fall will come out with Field of Greens Pumpkin Spice Edition. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Note to Field of Greens. Pumpkin spice all the things. Yes. Pumpkin spice all the things. Yes, my only regret is that pumpkin spice goes away this after this time of year, right? But uh, Field of Greens, I, I drink it every day myself as well. It's your, it's your serving that you're looking for of those whole foods. That's what we mean by vegan, vegetarian, uh, USDA organic. It comes from a whole food source, not processed in any way, shape, or form. It's literally, it literally is right off of God's blueprint, out of the ground, off the tree, and into your mouth. That's what we mean by a whole food because, you know, God put those nutrients and stuff like that in there for a reason. Those vitamins are in there. Those antioxidants that are the immunity boosters you need on a natural level are in there for a reason. Now, because of mass food consumption and processing nowadays, we've stripped a lot of those things from our foods so that they can be mass produced and last longer to to uh, fit a, a different kind of consumer base. And that's why we're we're taking so many supplements nowadays because a lot of the stuff we used just to get from the way mom made dinner back in the day isn't the same food anymore. Uh, but hey, this is the best supplement of them all because it's not one. If you turn over a lot of those superfoods, 
You turn over the nutrition label, it's going to say supplement facts because it's an actual supplement. Not true with Field of Greens. You turn it over from Brickhouse Nutrition, it's going to say nutrition facts because it's made from actual fruits and vegetables. It's an actual food. And right now, you can get 15% off of your first order at Brickhouse Nutrition. If you want to trick and inspire your kids into drinking their vegetables as well, you can do it right now at BrickhouseSteve.com. That's BrickhouseSteve.com. Use my name, Steve, for a promo code. Get 15% off of your first order. You want a Christmas gift for the kids? Get them the gift of their, a da- their daily vegetables, but in a form that they'll actually enjoy that will taste good. Brickhouse Nutrition, BrickhouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. All right, the time we have remaining. I've got one last segment. The rest of our week is jam-packed with interviews and year-end stuff on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I've got one last segment right now that I've set aside to take phone calls from you in the audience. So this is your last chance to have your voice heard here on the show. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Here's what we want. I want to know either, and it, you can have both if you want, but your biggest winner and or your biggest loser. Because, little secret here, we already taped our year-end shows. So I kind of know what everybody else's picks are when we get to this later in the week. So I am fascinated to see um, how whether you and the audience are on the same wavelength with all of us, all right? Because we had to kind of name our biggest winners and biggest losers, among many other things, earlier this, for the, or for the year 2018 as well. And that's coming up later this week. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. And by the way, if you, did, if you do have a comment on what's going on right now with the Mueller probe and anything we talked about or the Kyler Murray story. We've talked a lot about that today and, and why that basically hit my last nerve. You're welcome to touch on any of the topics that are of more of a, of a, of a newsworthy um, topical bent that are hot right now as well. Eight at eight, Here's, here's why Todd, I think we need to have a conversation about, creating a coalition of people who may have wide political disagreement, even on some substantive issues, but on matters like what's happened to Kevin Hart and Kyler Murray in recent days. And they're just the latest names. There will be more. Yep. There have been, there will be blood. There's already been plenty. Um, one of the things that's, that has dawned on me as we get to the end of the year is when you look at all the, there's institutions that our founders formed, and then there's institutions that our founders freed, right? So they, they forged the Constitution. They forged the three independent branches of government. They forged the Bill of Rights. They freed up the institution of the church to ex- essentially exempt it from the temporal matters in order to play its pivotal, transcendent role in any healthy society, for example. When you look at the institutions that the founders either forged or freed up, none of them as they exist right now have a plat- offer a platform for change. They offer an audience for it but they can't influence the change to occur. 
Tom Perez is attacking churches for getting for inspiring people to vote Republican because they think they line up more with their Christian values, with their Judeo-Christian values, but then they often go out and vote Republican and uh, and and to get the same policies they would have gotten if Tom Perez's people had won instead. There's no wall. Planned Parenthood's fully funded, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And and so. That's the difference between audience and influence. There is a mass audience for our message. That's why entities like us exist. That's why we get to make a living doing this. That's why Fox is the number one cable network in the country. It's why, and it's why ESPN lost out as the number one cable network for 20 years because they decided they wanted to adopt the, in, in, they wanted to adopt the same space of the people that are trying to ruin Kevin Hart and Kyler Murray as we speak. And it blew up in ESPN's faces. They lost all kinds of viewers and money. Had to replace a whole bunch, whole shows they had to replace because they realized our audience doesn't really want this. You've heard me say before, most of America is not conservative like us, but they're not, it's not communist either. There's one institution left that can create a platform for change that we do control, that can influence an outcome that we do control. And, and, and my fear is that if we can't create a coalition of the willing, so to speak, who are willing to push back against this level of cultural Marxism before it has total hegemony in the culture, meaning total control. If we don't create this coalition before that moment arises, or arrives, then people will come to the realization of what is the last remaining platform and institution our founders gave us that can create change. And it'll look like France, except in this case, our people are armed. Their people have been disarmed. And when you stop and think about it, and I, don't, I, I say this, I'm not even a gun owner right now. And there's personal reasons for that that I really don't want to have to go into, so I'm not going to right now. But, um, I, I mean, I'm, you know, but I am, I, I, when you leave, when you take away people's voice, when you tell them like the courts in the UK told them today, we don't care that you voted for Brexit. We're not doing it anyway. When you tell seven and a half million people in California, you don't have standing to defend your vote to defend marriage, but illegal aliens have standing in our courts instead. If you keep doing this, when you say to a, a young man on, on the biggest night of his life, that we are literally going to scarlet letter you for what you tweeted at 14. And we're going to keep hounding you no matter how many times you apologize. We're going to try to destroy you. And when people vote people into office and then feel as if the change they voted for is just stymied by the system, the swamp, unelected bureaucrats, when you t- human nature has shown when you take away the legitimate vehicles people have to influence the process they will go 
they will go to the illegitimate ones. They, they don't ever just voluntarily hand over their property. They don't ever just voluntarily hand over their wealth. They don't do it. Particularly when they're armed, they don't do it. When in the course of human events? Yeah. 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 And I, I'm concerned that if we continue down this road, that is going to be the outcome here, which is why I, I wonder if it's possible to forge a coalition of people, regardless of what their current political status may be, who just realize we can't be a free people and allow what's going on right now at this level to continue. That's a conversation we're going to have, I think, a lot in the new year. Let's go to the phones. 888-900-3393 is the number. Let's start with Bert in Kentucky. Thanks for the call, Bert. What say you? Hey, what's going on? Uh, good afternoon. And by, by the way, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and your and your fellow workers there. Um, 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 the biggest winner is going to be um, um, Notre Dame. They are going, they're going against Clemson, and then we'll see where we go from there. But that's the biggest winner for me. I, I, I'm just uh, just one of those the fight, fighting Irish, and the biggest loser, um, <laughs> the biggest loser was uh, actually in 2016. That was uh, Ted Cruz, uh, and we ended up with uh, Trump. Um, although I didn't really have much much of a choice, but um, at the end of the day, a lot of us ended up voting for the lesser of the two evils, mm-hmm. um, which which sadly enough, that's the way it has been for the past. A long time. We haven't really had much choice, and um, um, you know. And actually, the the uh, the biggest losers has been the country, um, because all of us, as, as, as instead of being united, we're being divided. Um, sadly enough, and uh, um, um, you know, it's it, it's it's sad. It really is. But that's uh, why, Bert. Thank oh. you. Th- thanks for the phone call, Bert. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours as well. That's why I'm actually glad you mentioned your affinity for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish as your winner of the year. Because at the surface, that may seem trite. Actually, he's on to something. I don't know maybe if he even realizes it. See, these are the sorts of things, the iconoclastic nature of leftism cannot leave well enough alone. And you saw it with Oklahoma's star football player over the weekend. Anything that anything that anything that supports merit, truth, beauty, they're against. Period. Period. In any form, any ideology, any political party, any church movement, any human movement, any sports team, anything that promotes merit, truth, beauty. They're against. And if you think your favorite player or your favorite team is exempt from this, you're not. Nobody is. And this is why maybe this is maybe their willingness to go here and push us to this point. Maybe this is what can unite more of the country again. And let's eliminate what a lot. Let's, you know. Trump, Mueller, great hero, goat, you know. We're at a point right now where if I don't allow you to dictate every term of my life, my opinion on these matters is really irrelevant because I'm not permitted to express them. I think it's a fundamental American notion that can still unite a lot of people. 
And I'm the total depravity guy. Because I'm watching how many people are, are furious about what happened to Kyler Murray and Kevin Hart. And I know the politics of some of those people. And it wouldn't line up with ours on numerous issues. But they understand on this level, this can't stand. You lose this, we don't get to argue with each other about all the other stuff we're arguing about right now, Todd, if we lose stuff on this. Didn't you tell me you're having a conversation with somebody at church about this over the weekend? Yeah, uh, a Catholic uh, Democrat, and we've always had a good relationship, and her sense was uh, that there's still time, that the, the, the moment isn't that chaotic. There's uh, been other movements within history that have been more prone uh, to violence, and uh, that is uh, true, although I think violence is— uh, is much closer to us in terms of that uh, Archduke Ferdinand moment than any of us uh, care to admit. But I said the real difference now is, and we've talked about this on the show, is the Venn diagram issue. There were still the overlap of the circles where the shared humanity could be looked in the eye finally and said, okay, enough. The same is true with Martin Luther King. He relied on that. Gandhi relied on that, that sense of shared humanity. We don't share a definition of humanity anymore, Steve. We it, it it is a tower of Babel, and if you cannot look your fellow man at any point ever in the eye and see shared humanity, we're 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 more broken than when there were, we were more prone to violence. Now, uh, and violence will come sooner or later. Where what do you think your generation is at on this conversation, Aaron? Um, well, which part of my generation? Um, I mean, as far as the the, the few who uh, still believe and still hold to some Judeo-Christian notions of of transcendent truth and morality, uh, it is what you said last week, and which I have articulated a, a lot of times before, just for myself personally. It's a lot of well, how then shall we live in this time when nothing is guaranteed, when nothing uh, that we have heard about our, our you know our nation's past and the way our culture used to be when. That is probably not coming back. How how do we prepare ourselves to live in this new reality? So that's that's on one side, but um, by and large, amongst the the vast majority of the mainstream cultural um, part of of my generation, it is um, it is us and it's the others. That's basically the attitude that I see. It's us uh, progressives. We are the future. The future is female. The future is intersectional. The future is blah 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 blah. And then there's the others. And meanwhile, they're, uh, they're, they complain about us, the others, otherizing, <laughs> otherizing members of their own uh, cult uh, while they otherize everybody else. I mean, mm. you, see that, you see that over and over again. This Scott Gleason at USA Today, this is not the first time that he's done this nope. before. This is a repeat act on him, and he takes pride in that. It's obvious that he takes pride in that. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't probably do it unless the um, others at USA Today. So these, this is an example of how they see you and I and everybody watching. You are others. You are the others on the island of Lost. You are the other people. You are subhuman. That'll do it for today's show. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.